I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. What is up, Battle Crew? It is Tuesday, February 27th, and I got a crazy, crazy full show, but welcome to normal Battle Crew, right? People who have been with us since the very beginning. But also welcome to brand new iHeart listeners who are getting in the trenches with the battle crew, joining forces to save this country. We're honored to be a part of the Clay and Buck feed on on iHeart Radio's app. And of course, that's Rush Limbaugh's old feed. So we're taking this show to new heights. All of that's made possible by, by you all, the battle crew. It's a testament to your strength, to your loyalty, to your dedication to the show. And ultimately, this this country, because that's what this show is all about. It's all about keeping you ahead of the curb. Ten steps in front of the Democrats. Of course, my name is Sean Parnell. I'm a combat veteran, best-selling author, and humble servant of America. We've got a huge show today. Uh, we're going to talk very, very quickly, follow up on a couple of items about who killed Navalny this woke army ad that is at, just came out, I think, today, and is abs- it, I saw it in my head about exploded. Dr. Phil, of all people, dropping red pills all over the place. Dr. Phil, I know it's tough out there, but we can do this. Yes, that Dr. Phil. Democrat Rep. Katie Porter is a huge mouth breather. Joy Reid is, of course, a, another mouth breather. Diversity, equity, and inclusion in medicine. Definitely not good. And if we have time, January 6th FBI raid uh, raid that will just send you over the edge, of course, before we get there. Quick follow-up on Navalny. I've told you all about, of course, Navalny, Alexei Navalny, last week was headline news everywhere. Died in in a Russian prison in Siberia. The media, Democrats, Republicans, all at the same time, started talking about the death of Navalny and how Putin's a dictator and how he's responsible. And, oh, just look, he's such a horrible dictator. We've got to pass this Ukraine package out of the House of Representatives. We we just have to. Interesting that Navalny's death happened at the exact same time that the U.S. House of Representatives were trying to push through an aid package for Ukraine that was stalled. But I digress. I talked to you all last week about this and said Putin had zero incentive to have this guy killed. Now, Putin is a brutal dictator. Putin did try to kill Navalny before, tried to poison him. Certainly, he's capable of it. But in this specific instance, Navalny was locked away in a Siberian prison, a fate which is arguably worse than death. So he was isolated. He wasn't a threat to Putin. Why make him a martyr? Which would make it far more likely that the U.S. send more aid money to Ukraine, which would then in turn 
prolong the war effort there, which is something that Vladimir Putin doesn't want. Obviously, the death of Navalny created an unbelievable amount of unrest at home for Vladimir Putin. And so this came out a couple of days to, uh, ago, uh, and that is Ukraine's intel chief confirmed that Navalny died of a blood clot. The truth is, I'm just telling you all this. We don't really know 100% how Navalny died. We don't. I just simply told you that there was no incentive for Putin to do it. And here now you have Ukraine's intelligence, own intelligence chief coming out and saying that he died of a blood clot. My point is this. Example number 10,001, when the media and the Democrats and some establishment Republicans, a.k.a. the Uniparty, regurgitate the exact same message at all at the same time, and that message reaches a fevered pitch or a critical mass where every station that you turn on, people are talking about that over and over and over again, always, and I mean always, be suspicious of that. And of course, what was the, what was the, how would the Uniparty benefit from leveraging Navalny's death? Well, they get the aid package passed through the house. Of course, that was what they wanted politically. So always be suspicious. Uh, so, okay. Also got to talk very quickly about something that we talked about yesterday. And again, battle crew, this show is all about keeping you ahead of the curve, making sure we're not just reacting to the news, but we're looking at the horizon and trying to get a sense of where our political enemies are going. We have to identify their strategy before we can defeat it. And this is something that Republicans don't do all that well. So just yesterday, I talked to you, and we did almost an entire show about how the United States military is at its weakest point I can't even tell you how long. It's probably in the wake of the Vietnam War or even prior to that. We're in the midst of an historic recruiting crisis. I laid out point after point of how, as we continue to lower our standards, we recruit all of the wrong types of people. And that, in turn, puts our country in more danger and at risk. Well, the Army just announced today that they were cutting the force by 24,000 troops amid all of these recruiting shortfalls. And so I can't even begin to tell you how devastating that is. I mean, that's probably three or four what we call brigade combat teams. Brigade combat teams who are, you know, a brigade combat team has a, the philosophy behind them or that they have everything that you need to deploy to fight a war. 24,000 troops is not a negligible number. And so I want you to see what I'm about to show you is an ad that I saw on, on X today, formerly known as Twitter. And it's essentially a woke army ad. And you want to get a sense of why we are in the situation that we're in in this country. Boy, this ad will give you an idea. This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California with a little girl raised by two moms. Uh, here we go. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, 
took ballet, played violin. I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. Oy. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again. But she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet. Eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life, a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. Okay. All right. Listen, it drives me absolutely crazy, but I believe that the powers that be, these Democrats have a very sinister motive behind what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. It's a rhetorical question, but why does it matter to, to people that you are trying to recruit? Why does it matter who your mother has sex with? I'm sorry, I don't mean to put it that upfront and blunt, but it's the truth, right? This is done for a very, very specific reason. This ad, by the way, it's, it's woke. It's it it appeals to an infinitesimal portion to a portion of our population. It targets a very, very small group of radical leftists. And it also alienates the type of person that we want to serve in this country. I mean, this ad certainly doesn't appeal to the folks who actually fight America's wars, farmers, hunters, blue collar trade workers, people that work with their hands outdoorsy type people, athletes, people whose father and grandfather served before them and legacy military families. Folks, the only way this ad makes sense is if you understand the true goal behind it. And the intent is very, very clearly to fill the military's rank with lock, stock and barrel leftist radicals loyal to Biden or any other Democrat first, last and always. And of course, Democrats work to what they what they will tell you is that they're trying to fundamentally transform this country. Well, of course, you can't fundamentally transform anything unless you f destroy it first. So these people that Biden is trying to pack the military with ultimately, again, a very small percentage of radical leftists trying to undermine our Constitution, undermine America, and also do anything that they can to undermine and thwart a future Republican's agenda, period. That's exactly what is happening here. It's the only way an ad like this makes sense. And so 
let's go ahead and and move on to something that happened today just before we went I went live on the show and that is Biden Speaker Johnson Chuck Schumer all met today to discuss this open borders bill which passed out of the Senate and ultimately try to push Mike Johnson browbeat Mike Johnson bully Mike Johnson into passing aid for Ukraine while simultaneously ignoring the tragedy that's happening at our southern border. And of course, it's it's not just a humanitarian crisis for people who are being smuggled across. I mean, of course it is. But it's also killing Americans and allowing criminals to abuse the asylum system that we have in this country where they discard their identities and come into America, they're not being vetted. And in some cases, like what happened with Lake and Riley, going to Georgia and beating a woman to death who was just out for a jog. Lakin could be any one of our children or grandchildren. This country should be up in arms about it. It should be headline news on every mainstream outlet. But if you look at the collective coverage of ABC, NBC, CBS, three mainstay pillars of the mainstream media, I believe Lake and Riley's coverage was under 10 minutes over the last five days, maybe even less than five. The nation should be as outraged about Lakin's death as they were about George Floyd's. But by and large, the media doesn't care. The Democrats don't care. They want to cater to their far left-wing, radical, open borders base. That's what's more important to them, especially in election year. But listen to Chuck Schumer come out of the meeting in the Oval Office with Joe Biden and try to essentially browbeat and guilt Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican, from the House of Representatives into passing an aid package for Ukraine. And so we said to the speaker, get it done. I told him this is one of the moments I said, I've been around here a long time. It's maybe four or five times that history is looking over your shoulder. And if you don't do the right thing, whatever the immediate politics are, you will regret it. I told him two years from now and every year after that, because really it's in his hands. It's in his hands. We told him how important it was. It was passionate. I talked about my trip to Ukraine where I met soldiers who had Russian artillery in range with the drones they have, but had no ammunition to fire at. We talked about four brigades who are ready to go, Ukrainian, no arms and how serious the lack of arms was. And it was the consensus in that room, Zelensky and Ukraine will lose the war if we don't get the arms and don't get them quickly. So I thought this was a border bill, right? I mean, that's what it was pitched as. That's what we were told, a bipartisan border bill. MAGA Republicans don't want to pass a border bill. But you notice how Chuck Schumer came out of that meeting with Joe Biden and didn't mention the southern border at all, just about more funding for Ukraine. So it begs the question what the true purpose of the bill was, which, of course, we all know the answer to that question. 
But I think the Democrats are banking on the fact that maybe the American people, folks that aren't tethered to politics like the battle crew is, maybe they don't know. But Speaker Mike Johnson came out right after Chuck Schumer and said this. Thank you. Thank you all for staying. We had a, um, a, a couple of meetings there. It was uh, frank and honest. I think we need more frank and honest conversations on Capitol Hill. So I was happy to participate in this. We did uh, that as a group. And then I had a uh, one-on-one for a period of time with the president, just he and I in the Oval Office. Uh, let me say this. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth. And that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. I've been, I believe, in uh, maybe 20-something states over the last several weeks, going around the country, uh, appearing at events with my colleagues, and we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions in all cities and all states who feel this acutely. They understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone, and it is top of mind for all the American people for that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and, and again, one-on-one with the president. I think that's our responsibility uh, to bring that up. The other big priority for our country, of course, is the funding of our government. And we have been working in good faith around the clock every single day for months and, and weeks and over the last several days, quite literally around the clock, to get that job done. We're very optimistic. I, I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown. Now, listen, let's talk about the government shutdown first. I think Republicans have to be willing to play hardball. They have to be willing to shut the government down in order to get the border funding that they need, that this country needs. This isn't a political thing anymore. People are dying. Remember that the number one cause of death in this country is fentanyl coming in from across our southern border. Number one cause of death between people 18 and 45. This is this is a real existential crisis that's happening at our southern border. So we've got to be willing to shut the government down. And why not? I mean, has the what has the government done over the last 20 years? Think back 20 years. The government can't even run a program like Cash for Clunkers. Do you remember that? Without going bankrupt in, I think, what was it, three or four weeks? I mean, Forever wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that ended in disaster, $34 trillion in debt, empowering our enemies, dismantling the southern border, a war on our cops, turning our military woke. I mean, the government has been a disaster for this country as long as I can remember. So who does it really matter if we shut the government down? So Republicans in Washington, please be willing to do that, especially to get the concessions that you need with regards to closing our southern border. It's a national security threat. But let me also, let me just, I got to say that the Democrats, they have their backs up against the wall right now. I'm going to break down two very important points on this, but I want to highlight the Emerson poll, which came out this morning. In fact, Savage Rich Barris and I talked about it. Um, this morning exchanged text. We both texted each other at the same time. Oh, do you see the Emerson poll? It's it's absolutely astounding. Head-to-head matchups, Biden versus DJT in every single swing state, Trump wins. With RFK, Jill Stein, Cornell West on the ballot, Trump's lead is even bigger. 
So that what does that mean? It means Nevada, Trump plus 10, North Carolina, Trump plus nine, Georgia, Trump plus nine, Arizona, Trump plus six, Pennsylvania, Trump plus five, Wisconsin, Trump plus four, Michigan, Trump plus three. These numbers are unbelievable. Put it in perspective, folks. These polls, by and large, are heavily weighted to Democrats. We've known this for a very long time. It's by and large, why the reason we discounted polls from 2016 and and then again in 2020, because they undercounted by a long shot the MAGA base or people like me or probably folks like you who don't really like to answer polling calls and are very private out of fear of retribution from the government. Maybe we just don't trust who's on the other end of that phone. And so the the polls and their methodology, methodology hasn't really changed. And Trump is still winning. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So I'm telling you right here, right now, and you can bookmark this episode, but Trump is actually up far more in these states than these polls are are letting on. Then if you look at the decision desk, which came out today, average comparison between candidate favorability between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, Joe Biden, uh, net favorable, 43.9%, unfavorable, 53. Donald Trump, net favorable, 46%, unfavorable, 50 so Donald Trump is almost 50-50 in favorability. Now, remember, when people like Nikki Haley and these establishment Republicans say that nobody likes Trump, there's a significant portion of the Republican base that doesn't. Now, this favorability poll is across the board. Democrat, independent, other Republican. Trump is almost at 50%. So these these numbers, folks, I mean, I don't trust polling, but I trust friends. And I've been in this game for a long time, had my name on the ballot twice. I know how this stuff works. People in the Democrat Party are panicked. We've talked about that over and over. But in addition to this disastrous polling, and if you look at my thumbnail for today's episode, two abysmal, abysmal candidates. Very unpopular in Joe Biden, and obviously somehow Kamala Harris, our DEI vice president, is somehow less popular than than Joe Biden. Nevertheless, the Democrats have two very, very, very serious issues going into 2024. And if Republicans were smart, they would dedicate. I'm t- I'm talking to leadership in the Senate and in the House of Representatives consultants, lobbyists, people who run campaigns, pay attention to what I'm about to say. But if Republicans were smart, they would dedicate a significant amount of time and resources to exploiting these weaknesses in the Democrat voter base. And they are Israel and Gaza in the border and crime. Now, intuitively, most of us see these as very, very, very serious issues because, of course, they are. But the Democrat Party specifically is extremely divided on these issues, extremely divided. Their bases are fractured. 
between moderate Dems and radicals. Moderate Dems who support Israel and support a secure border and radical Dems who are pro-Hamas and support an open border, crazy, whack job, open border folks. I mean, I'm telling you, they exist in the Democrat Party. It's by and large why the Democrats have taken no action with regard to securing our border, even though Americans are dying because of it. The reason why they're not taking action is because they care more about open borders, whack jobs in their radical Democrat base than protecting American lives. But thus far, our party, Republican Party, has not done a good enough job exploiting this. In fact, many of them, so often our problem in our movement is that Republican leadership hopes that this issue will solve itself. In other words, People will see for themselves and they will, and the Democrats will hemorrhage support naturally. That's not the case all the time. Sometimes it is, but Republicans should take matters into their own hands and drive that wedge wide, divide and conquer. You know, Sun Tzu, the art of war, I'm a military guy. The supreme art of war is to divide and and subdue the enemy without even fighting. And that's how Republicans should frame every political race. Just like the art of war, I've said it before many times on this show, that politics is war just without bullets. Campaigns are the same. Strategy is so similar. But in the art of war, Sun Tzu writes, the art of using troops is this. When 10 to the enemy's one surround him, when five times his strength attack him, if double his strength, divide him. And so here's the deal, folks. There are razor thin margins in these swing states. Every single vote counts. The Democrats are nowhere near doubling our strength. So what they do on almost all things is divide and conquer. And Republicans, our leadership, and many in our base, we fall for it all the time. But in order to defend against this tactic, you've got to expose it. I mean, look at my state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, what what Josh Shapiro did to Mastriano. Josh Shapiro spent money from his campaign elevating Doug Mastriano, who is a Republican candidate for governor, knowing in Pennsylvania that the more popular he got, it would drive a wedge between the two factions of our party in Pennsylvania. Now, remember, the Commonwealth of PA is a swing state. You know, people like Mitt Romney did well in Allegheny County, where I'm from. It gives you a sense of the type of Republicans that are in Allegheny County, right? Very split between establishment, traditional Republicans, and new America first Republicans who make up the majority of their base by elevating Doug Mastriano Josh Shapiro in our state effectively fractured our party and it hurt Mastriano at the ballot box in a big way. Or how about COVID? The Democrats and and their allies in the media created this narrative that you're either an obedient and, and responsible person who does exactly what you're told by the media and big pharma wear the mask, get the vax, get permanent boosters, or you're a selfish anti-vaxxer. You see how they polarize that issue, divide and conquer. 
Or how about Christians versus Christian nationalists? Now, this is that term Christian nationalists. You're going to hear that a lot more, especially as 2024 wears on, because the Democrats right now are in, in the phase of where they're trying to divide our base against each other. But again, I played this sound a couple of days ago, and I want to play it for you again because I want to highlight a very specific part of it that you need to hear. The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian Okay, you hear that? Listen to it again. The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm-hmm. is that they believe... Christian nationalists, not Christians, just Christian nationalists. So basically, they, she defines, she goes on in that segment to define Christian nationalists as people who believe that their rights come from God, our creator, and not bestowed upon us by Congress and the U.S. Supreme Court, which, of course, is what our founders intended. It's right there on our founding documents. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness bestowed upon us by our creator. They're inalien. They're unalienable. That's why we called it that. Government does not give us those rights. They come from our creator. They come from God. But you see what she's trying to do in dividing Christians, evangelicals, religious conservative base, not by attacking all of us, just Christian nationalists, a small fraction of people who act, who believe in the Constitution. So if you're someone who's not necessarily attached to politics every single day, one of those people who just pays attention 60, 30 days before a primary in a general election, you might think that hey, I'm a Christian. She can't be referring to me. I'm not one of those crazy nationalists. And you think of the name, Christian nationalist almost sounds like white supremacist in a way. Oh God, I'm not one of those people. But reality is they're talking about all of you. They're talking about every Christian, but they're dividing and they're conquering. Same is true with the Democrats out there saying this term over and over again, MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans, not all Republicans, just MAGA Republicans, just the extreme ones, divide and conquer. Listen to Joe Biden talking about this very topic. Early in my term, I announced a major plan to provide millions of working families with debt relief for their college student debt. Tens of millions of people in debt were literally about to be canceled, their debts. But my MAGA Republican friends in the Congress, elected officials and special interests stepped in and sued us. And the Supreme Court blocked it and blocked it. But my MAGA Republican friends in Congress, so not all Republicans, not all of you out there who, by the way, it would be great if you voted for me, right? And it's an election year. Don't forget that. Joe Biden's out there, just, uh, just the MAGA types, not all Republicans, but really he's talking about all of us. 75 million people in this country voted for Donald Trump, trying to divide the Nikki Haley wing, which is a smaller and it gets smaller every single week, by the way, but trying to divide the Nikki Haley wing of the Republican Party against MAGA. And this is how they win elections as part of the mainstay of their strategy with regards to how they win. Tonight is the primary in Michigan. Now, Donald Trump, not going to get into him versus Nikki Haley, because Nikki Haley's a non-factor. He's going to beat her by 50, 60 points. But in Michigan, I'm using this 
as an example because it's a timely one. Michigan has a very substantial voting block that is Muslim. So cycle, let's let's keep the Israel-Gaza conflict as a way that we can fracture and divide the Democrat base against each other. Keep it in mind as I talk about this. But the magnitude of the Muslim vote, not just nationwide, is in Michigan, it's perhaps most pronounced there, where 80,000 Muslims voted in a, in by mail-in ballot alone. And, and I'll keep in mind, 2016, Hillary Clinton lost to Trump in Michigan by 11,000 votes, razor-thin margin. In 2020, Biden took Mich- Michigan by 150,000 votes. So 80,000 presumably Democrat votes by mail come from Muslim Americans. Now, this Israel-Gaza-Hamas conflict has Muslim Americans in Michigan fired up at Joe Biden. In fact, crazy people like Rashida Tlaib and members of the squad are encouraging the Muslim communities in in Michigan and elsewhere to vote non-committed in their primary. So, folks, listen, Republicans should see this. They should exploit this. Maybe you don't drive those voters into the Republican column, but maybe they also don't vote for Joe Biden. That could be outcome, what I call outcome determinative in a critical swing state like Michigan. If those people stay home, hell, they pull the lever for you even better. But if they stay home, they don't vote for Biden. They vote for somebody else. Biden will lose Michigan. It's a state he absolutely has to have. So in in order to get these Muslim Americans out, Biden has to essentially throw Israel under the bus. But if he does that, there are millions of moderate Democrats who are also Jewish who will not tolerate that. So again, Republicans, what are you doing to drive this fracture a mile wide? There should be nonstop commercials in the state of Michigan, blanket the entire state from now until Election Day on this very topic. Divide and conquer. Find the fractures in the Democrat voting base and go after them. So you can't sit idly by and and hope something like this happens. Hope that the Muslim community stays home just naturally because they see they see that Biden is is terrible and, and doesn't like them, doesn't care about what they want. That's not going to happen naturally. Hope is not a strategy. Drive a wedge between their voters, mail campaigns, commercials, door knocking, whatever it takes, do it. And speaking of how radical the, the Democrat voter base is on this issue, again, Israel versus Hamas. Listen, folks, Jerry Seinfeld is 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 a well-known Democrat. I actually love the show Seinfeld. Commander Melanie and I watch it and we love that show. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but Seinfeld is is a Democrat. He's always been a Democrat. Now he's tried to stay out of the political eye, tries not to talk about politics in public, which I think is smart. You remember Michael Jordan said, well, Republicans buy shoes too. Very, very smart. Who the hell wants to alienate if you're a, if you're a entertainer who wants to alienate half of the country by saying something brazenly political or stupid? But Seinfeld has not been immune to being attacked by the more radical elements of the Democrat base. Watch this. I support it. 
Okay, I've had enough of those crazy people. But you see my point, right? That's Democrat on Democrat political violence right there. Not only that, they're going after a celebrity. The fractures that I'm telling you about are real. How about this? Joe Biden talking about Israel, Gaza, and creating the worst optics humanly possible when talking about war or conflict, generally speaking, it's not good to suck down a massive ice cream cone while you're discussing human conflict. Well, I hope by the beginning of the weekend, I mean, the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. It's not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Okay, thank okay, you. Thank I'm telling you right here, right now, that moderate Democrats, they will, moderate Jewish Democrats or Israel supporting Democrats, they're going to hate that video. Because, first of all, it shows Biden is feeble and weak, and clearly he's not taking the issue seriously as he gobbles down an ice cream cone. And by the way, why is it the only time that I hear the media ask Joe Biden questions at all is when he's out eating ice cream? <laughs> and most of the time, those questions are about what flavor of his ice cream is. I, It's good to be a Democrat. Let's just say that. But, okay, so how about the border? Right. Joe Biden set to go down to the border. Donald Trump is is going to be there around the same time. Now, Donald Trump said he was going down to the border first. Joe Biden, the optics of that are bad in and of itself. Joe Biden scampering down the border just so he could be with him. But there's a reason why Biden is going down to the border on Thursday. And here it is. I'm going to for, for those listening on iHeart, I'm going to I'm going to show my viewers what you're looking at is a, is a Gallup poll. And this poll says Americans most likely to say immigration is the most important problem. And the question in this poll is, what do you think is the most important problem facing this country today? In January of 2024, 20% of people said immigration. In February of 2024, 28%. So up eight points in just a month, folks. Eight points in a month. And then with, with, the murder of of Lake and Riley and, and Georgia, that, that number's going to get higher. And how about this? A recent Monmouth poll, uh, this just came out today, revealed that a, this is this is this is mind blowing, folks. I mean, just I, I'm trying to I'm going through all this stuff because I want you to realize the cultural climate that we're in right now. And why it's so important for Republicans to start thinking like us here on the battle crew. But a recent Monmouth University poll revealed that a majority of Americans now support the construction of a southern border wall, with 61% viewing illegal immigration as a, quote, very serious problem. 
This marks a significant shift in public opinion compared to previous years, reflecting growing concerns over immigration policies under President Biden's administration. And so key details of this Monmouth University survey found that 53% of respondents favor building a border barrier, a significant increase from 35% in September of 2017. 61% of Americans view illegal immigration as a very serious problem, with a majority of Republicans at 91% and independents at 58%. Okay, so how about this? This is this is so important. Okay, so independents and Republicans have gone up. They they support in a big way building a border wall, right? Oh boy, how things have changed in this country, right? But despite growing support for a border wall, Democrat support for the policy has fallen 14 percentage points in the past nine years. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how important something like this, this is. If you're a candidate or you're a consultant or you're an incumbent in the House or the Senate, or you're a Republican in a leadership position that can do something about it, this is statistically significant. It's empirical proof, folks, of what I just told you. You can see how divided the Democrats are. The nation wants a wall now, and the Democrats, they're so divided. But not only that, their support for a wall has collapsed. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So not only would there be a fracture, a, a fairly significant fracture in the Democrat base on this, it's also a fracture between radical, crazy Democrats and the rest of America. So not only the reason why that's important is it's not just a message that will resonate in a primary, in a Democrat primary. It will also re- resonate in a general election. It will. What I mean by that is it will make the Democrat divide the Democrat base while simultaneously appealing to Repu- uh, to Republicans and independents who, by and large, support a wall. So I'm telling you, folks, this Democrats have serious problems on their hand. And yes, uh, uh, elections are always a concern. How they're conducted, election integrity, of course. But I've told you before, and I'll say it again: there is a way in which Trump can outperform the fraud. And I think he's pretty darn close to doing just that. Okay, let's talk about Biden and what he used to say in 2020 and why the situation that we're in right now can be laid at his feet and his feet only. Now, keep in mind, Lake and Riley, the illegal alien, came into this country went to New York, was arrested there, and charged with harming a child, was released where he went down to Georgia and committed another crime. And of course, now people are digging into his background. It looks like this illegal 
alien invader who murdered allegedly murdered this young woman is has a long criminal rap sheet and it's hard to even talk about because it's the definition of a preventable problem but listen to joe biden on on this talking about this very issue this is in 2020 vice president biden you opposed sanctuary cities as a presidential candidate in 2007 where do you stand now should undocumented immigrants arrested by local police be turned over to immigration officials? No. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And Commander Melanie and I talked about this, and, and she had said to me, well, what the hell good is a Lankford bill or a border bill? What good is that going to do? Just in that statement alone, Biden clearly isn't willing to follow the law as written. So what the hell good will a new law do? It won't do any good at all. She's exactly right. And I want you all to remember this stat. Very important. Biden took 94 executive actions in his first 100 days, and those executive actions pertain to the border, and they decimated border security. So if he's been able to take 94 executive actions, and clearly he has the authority to do something about it, but he's not. And if you think that this is just going to be a national issue, a border town issue, or maybe a Democrat city issue, I think you'd be wrong there, too. This crisis is really hitting small town America. In fact, I want you to think back to an episode that we did about a month ago where we broke down, you know, the millions of of illegal aliens coming into this country and how they they could very well disproportionately impact small towns that have small police forces and limited budget as it pertains to social services. You know, 10,000 illegal aliens showing up in a small town population, 15,000 would decimate that community. But that's exactly what it's doing in a small town in Wisconsin. And I encourage you to go look up on the Washington Free Beacon uh, an article titled How the Border Crisis Hit a Small Town. And I'll paraphrase it for you. You should go read the article yourself because it's it will make you so angry it'll you want to you want to scream. But what does the migrant crisis look like in practice? The population of a small Midwestern town jumping by 10% in just two years? Police overwhelmed by domestic violence calls, dead babies stuffed into cardboard boxes, an uptick in sexually transmitted diseases in public schools, and of course, a crushing budget hole. Whitewater, Wisconsin, a progressive city mugged by the realities of illegal immigration. And that's from Aaron Sibarium on X. But folks, people are waking up to this crisis. And I've been talking about the border a lot. And the reason why I have is because I think that it's going to be a critically and critically important issue leading into the 2024 election. I mean, I mean, it, it's polling that way now, but there are also many facets to this issue. So you've got the, the issue of, of the border. You've got human trafficking. You've got child trafficking, where 85,000 kids went missing on the border under Joe Biden and nobody... And I mean, nobody is talking about it until very recently. Folks, we first first started doing this show. I broke down to you the statistics of what's happening on the southern border. I said, we have a slavery problem in America today that dwarfs the one that America had in the Civil War, except for 
auctions are not happening in the public square. They are happening on the dark web. And they affect women and children. 85,000 women and children missing under three hellish years of Joe Biden. For the longest time, I thought that I was the only one, one of the few people that were out there talking about this critically important issue. But now, Dr. Phil is out there, and he went on the on the view and was just red-pilling these ladies left and right, dismantling their arguments. And I have to say, I don't know what his politics are. I mean, he's an Oprah Winfrey ally. I mean, Oprah gave him his start. But I love what he's saying here. He's doing the country a lot of good. And he's going toe-to-toe with these radical, whack-job ladies on The View. Listen. My understanding is that you went to the southern border. Now, you're saying that you're going to give people facts. What did you take away from that experience, and what kind of reporting are you going to be bringing back from that experience? I'll tell you a fact I took away. I talked to the head of all the border guards down there, the, the head of the union. I asked him straight up, kids are coming over the border with numbers written on them, phone numbers and addresses. Mm-hmm. Do we check those out? He said, well, we call them. Is it possible that we're sending them into known prostitution rings or sweatshops? He said, it's not possible. It is absolute. We are using American tax dollars to ship children into known prostitution and sweatshops. Some children. Well, who knows? Okay. We don't know. I said, are you. So, what kind of checking do they do? So, they they call the number uh and and say, do you know about this child? They say, yes. Will you receive them when they come? Yes. I said, is it possible that's a prostitution ring? He said, we, ha- we know enough to know that it, in a number of cases, it has turned out to be absolute sex ring. It has turned out to be an absolute sweatshop. I said, how is this possible? Well, what do they and he do said, then? it is happening. What do they do then if they know that that's happening? Where is the U.S. Attorney's Office? Where is the... Here's the Damn here's good the question. You have, to, you have to re-ask that question when we come okay. back. Because okay. we're coming back with more with Dr. Phil. So what does it say about our country? And how do you think this affects Border Patrol agents? Where they are receiving children at the border with something written on a phone number written on their arm or a piece of paper, a note in their pockets. That just has a phone number on it. They're unaccompanied. They don't have their parents here. They were taken away from their parents, shuffled across the border by drug cartels, most likely in many cases, traumatized a million times over from the time they leave their house or given up by their parents or given given up by their parents to these cartels. These kids come here, and then our taxpayer dollars are then sending them off to black market labor shops or sending them off to places where our Border Patrol knows that these kids are being used as sex slaves and yet nothing happens? How is it that we live in a country where this type of evil happens? Not only happens, but is happening to tens of thousands of children. This is our taxpayer dollars. I mean, it's almost tax time in this country. 
how many of us are going to owe money to the federal government where the IRS takes it and then uses our money ostensibly to move children to houses that sell them into sex slavery. I mean, it's absolutely abhorrent in a million different ways, yet we live in a country that does that. And again, Biden is responsible for this. Biden dismantled Trump's border security policies that did a damn good job. And yet the media is silent. AOC is not draped in white crying over a parking lot. You don't hear the media over and over and over again crying about kids in cages. And Dr. Phil didn't just go on The View. He was he was on Joe Rogan, who, again, I like some of the things that Joe Rogan says, but he's not a conservative. He's a Bernie Sanders supporter back in the day. But listen to Dr. Phil red-pilling Joe Rogan. I, I think part of that is why people are so kind of paranoid about what's happening at the border, you know, with people coming across. And they know that it's they're coming across from so many different countries now. They, I think there's a distrust. Um well, um, rightly so. <laughs> I mean, it, this is uh, something that every pre- president has agreed on. If you go back and watch Obama's speeches, you go back and watch Bush's speeches, all the presidents before us, including Clinton, have all talked about having a border, having a strong border, having a protected border. But this is a weird thing they're doing. They're just letting people come in, and the Red Cross is encouraging it. Different groups are encouraging it. They're giving people maps, showing them how to do it. This is crazy. This is a mass migration into America. Well, I mean, unbelievable, right? And this is why I say, again, I've been talking about the border a lot. And, folks, if you're sick of me talking about the border, hey, listen, this is your show. Let me know in the live chat, and we'll talk about some other stuff. I I have no problems doing that. But I think this issue, again, is a multifaceted one, and... Not only is it one that voters are going to care about, it's affecting small towns. Now mainstream talk show hosts and celebrities, Dr. Phil, is talking about it on The View and exposing Americans who would never otherwise be exposed to this information, to these horrifying details, on Joe Rogan doing the same thing, all while the – now seriously, folks, all while the Democrats like Katie Porter are out messaging this issue like this. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, Poor Lake and Riley. Uh, Any one tragic instance shouldn't shape our immigration policy. Horribly callous and gross and disgusting and obviously not true because it's not the only time something has happened. Let me watch this for the folks listening on iHeart. I'm going to share my screen and show people. This is a, a post by journalist Julio Rosas. A law enforcement source has confirmed to me that the man who recently shot Three D.C. police officers, Stephen Cloud Radigan, also known as James Claude Julius, is in the United States illegally. How about that? Kind of unbelievable, right? Um, Hell, I saw this article titled on Fox News, Venezuelan migrant illegally in the United States charged for sexual assault against a minor in Virginia. 
Or listen, speaking of Venezuela, l- look at this. Check this out. Let me sh- share my screen with you on this as well. So this the horrific story of a Venezuelan migrant sexually assaulting a minor in Virginia. Obviously, this is not just a border state issue anymore. But look at this. For the folks listening, it says Venezuela has hit its lowest homicide rate in 22 years because their gangs are coming here. Read that and let it sink in. From Bloomberg, Venezuela's violent deaths fall to 22-year low on migration. Now, if you look here on this picture to the right, Venezuela's rate of violent deaths dropped to its lowest level in more than two decades following years of massive migration as both criminals and victims fled the nation's economic crisis. So again, those criminals are coming here. And Joe Biden is 100% responsible for that. But Republicans, these two issues present enormous opportunities for our party in 2024. I believe that 2024 is the last chance to save this country. I mean it. Politicians say that stuff every single election. But I simply cannot see how we survive another four years of Biden. I can't. And so everything is at risk, and we've got to pull out all the stops to win, divide, and conquer. Do what I just laid out in swing states all across this country. We must do what it takes to win. Fight like the Democrats. And so, folks, thank you for being with me for the full hour today. Uh, Make sure that you like and rumble. Let me see where we're at. Let's see if we can get ourselves close to 200 at the end of the show. Make sure you like and rumble. Hit that little green thumb beneath the video. That is how rumble determines their leaderboards. I think number 50 on rumble in the top 50 live stream shows for a day, they list them there every day. I think the number 50 has something like 700, between 700 and 750 likes. Let's see. Let's try to get there. Every day, let's try to get there. Uh, I would love to have our show on the leaderboard at Rumble. That would be amazing. But share this with your family and your friends. Uh, We want them in the trenches with us fighting to save this country. We love this country, and it's going to take all of us to save this country. So, So tell your family and your friends to subscribe and follow to Battleground Live. Be an ambassador for this show, Battle Crew. I know all of you are. and again, officialseanparnell.com. We've got five books on there, but at Battleground Apparel Company, it's a brand new company with merchandise that reflects the values of the show. So go on officialseanparnell.com, get all your Battleground Apparel merch there. But as always, folks, thank you all for watching. Uh, I'm so, so glad to have you as part of the Battle Crew. I'll see you tomorrow night at 5. Oh, listen, I'm going on Savage Rich Barris's show tomorrow. And Savage Rich Barris is coming on Battleground Live. So Savage Rich Barris here tomorrow night at 5. So make sure you tune in for that. But as always, I say it every night. Thank you for watching. See you tomorrow. God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we call home. Take care.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.